Welcome to Roto Brits. It's a UK fantasy baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and my co-host, chief analyst, main stud, Ryan Owen. Ryan, how are we doing? Wow, I never thought I'd get a stud for myself. Like, Come on. Wow. Come that, on. That's, that's big news. That's big news. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's reserved for Trevor Rogers and uh, uh, hey, Jesus Aguilar. <laughs> oh, no, man. I, I'm good. I, I'm good. I'm good. You know, the season started quite well for me. I, I think I've been lucky avoiding most of the the annoying injury niggles that have occurred. And uh, there's only really Christian Yalich that's annoyed me a bit in my NL only league and um, or Kettle Marte, a bit annoying. So I've had a bit of a double whammy in my NL only, but mm-hmm. I, I've been a bit fortunate otherwise. How, how about you? Have you avoided the injury bugs? Oh, boy. The, see, the problem for me, Listen, I got huge value out of Jazz Chisholm, right? You know, I took him everywhere in every league and he's performing like a top 50 dude. Huge value out of Jazz, hits the IL. Starling Marte took him where I could on the IL. Um, Trevor Rogers absolutely performing like a stud. No doubt a stud. You know, the Marlins rotation's been sexy. It's a mixed bag. Mixed bag for me. In the main, you know, I was hyping up Rowdy Talese. He's been optioned, I've seen uh, earlier on. So, you know, that's one I, I'm, I'm not looking great on right now. Mark Melanson that I try to take everywhere, looking nice. That's That seemed to work out well. So, oh, yeah. you know, the... Let's not re-air that clip. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Pringle will be having me. <laughs> I know, I know. In the main, mate, it's hard, right? The injury bug is tough. You haven't just got injuries. You've got COVID as well that are kind of mixed in. It makes it hard. you got everyone's kind of getting hit by it. So yeah, there's a couple of guys that have been, you know, hit more than others, but in the main, how am I doing? Average, I would say I'm getting value out of some of my Marlins and other, other guys that I loaded up on maybe less so, (laughs) but you know, it's early days. I think that's, that's the thing really, right. It's, you know, we're only, you know, three and a half, four weeks in. So yeah, we're three and a half, four weeks in injuries, there's a lot of luck involved, but injuries are going to be part and parcel for all of us. And it's how we navigate it. It's how we stay calm and how we um, sort of play the market, free agent market and, and calmly go about calmly go about not giving in. That's ba- if, you, if you're competitive and, and you want to do the best that you can do, then you make all of the moves that you have to make that make sense go through the process, improve your team as best as you can, even if it's annoying taking Yelich out and putting, poof, I don't know, it's names like Jason Haywood in your lineup or something. Yeah, that's annoying. Of course it is. But yeah. putting Jason Haywood in is better than bumming out and, and not paying attention and, and not putting any at-bats in or really, really bad at-bats. So, yeah, you've you got to stay the course. Yeah, this is it. It's the thing is with fantasy baseball, particularly if you're doing, I mean, doesn't matter what kind of, if it's daily, if it's weekly, you know, it's a long grind. You've got to, you've got to stay with it and enjoy it. And the reality is because of these injuries, this is the main thing about what we've seen so far. Injury bug hits, it's hitting league wide. COVID's kicking in various little spots. It's those guys that appear out of nowhere that you have not even considered that all of a sudden get the playing time. That's the one. Or, you know, you draft these guys at the start based on what you expect to happen. And you don't draft guys because you don't see the playing time opportunity, perhaps. And all of a sudden, it arrives. And these guys, they get a chance. So that's that's the excited bit. And the pitching, too. Same for the pitchers. You know, uh, starters come in, and if they stick, they can they can be really valuable. So it's been fun. It's been hard. The, the bullpens have been probably the hardest piece, though, to really piece together like it's... It's so changeable. <laughs> really, it really is. Bullpens but, have been wild, man. They have. Absolutely yeah. wild. Um, it, I think we spoke about a strategy for the draft and hold, taking guys that were sort of elite. And I think we were on the money, really. There were sort of like three or four that they, they've been pretty 
pretty solid. The, the you know, I mean, Hayder was a bit slow getting off the blocks with getting a few saves because there weren't many opportunities. But he's pitching very well. He now has a few. Chapman came back after the suspension. Pretty solid. Um, those guys fine, but the further you go down, oh. it's been uh, been pretty rough. Oh, it's been a test, hasn't it? I mean, you know, look at the Marlins. You know, Bass Mania. It lasted what a week. You know, you draft, you draft a guy. I mean, okay, he's not a, a top pick, right? But you take Bass, thinking he's one of the closers. He was a lock closer going into it. Two weeks into the season, gone. You know, gone. I know. And and the crazy thing is, if you then went and got Garcia on the cheap, and you managed to get him nice and early, potentially sort of preempting it. You've just picked up a, a free closer, and he's pitching really well. He looks so solid in the role. He looks, he, he looks like he's running away with it, and that that's brilliant. That's just a waiver wire pickup. That's just a thank you very much. I needn't have worried. It. <laughs> that's is fantastic. Ah, oh, I got. Do you know what? That's the one thing. Like it was clear, Yimmy was the next guy up, but I was so bored in the Bass Mania, thinking he's going to be good. Didn't pick up Yimmy anywhere as the backup. You do know that Bassmania is not a phrase anywhere other than inside your own head, right? I believe so. There yeah. is, there is, <laughs> there is Bender Mania actually, which I think was where it started. But and Bender is not even on a forty man, not on the Marlins forty man. Um, so you can't anyway. just put Mania as a suffix on anything and just sort of hope for it to stick. It began with a B, so and he was a, a reliever, so I just went with it. So yeah. Beautiful. Uh, okay, cool. So we've missed the last two weeks. We've got to call it out. Um, I think there was a Marlins game on a Thursday a few weeks back. I got into the beers and um, yeah, got a bit out of hand. Last week, Ryan was, I think, on the IL. So we're back. We're back this week. Looking forward to it. There's tons to get into, but it's really hard to cover three weeks of fantasy action in one pod. So what I think we do with this one um, is... Let's take a look at some of the guys that have either started really hot or really cold, see if there's any, I guess, strategic approaches you you take with them. But really, let's focus our time on who's, how are we thinking about the waiver wire? That's the key bit, the key bit right now, the in-season management. Which players are available? Who should we be looking at? Who are we tracking? And, say, and I guess on the flip side, who are we going to be dropping to make those moves? So who becomes now droppable? who isn't performing, those kind of, I guess, questions. So um, let's, I, I think we'll follow it like that. Let's start maybe with some of the the helium guys or the guys that are that are maybe doing well. Um, in many ways, there's no surprises of, of some of the guys that are right at the top of the leaderboard with the Grom just being insane, clearly. Uh, Ronnie Acuna also being insane. Um, but one guy that popped up that I thought was interesting uh, and has had a real hot start, Vladdy Guerrero. Uh, obviously, everyone was drafting the potential historically. I think he's never shown it. All of a sudden, I think he had a, a three-home run game maybe yesterday. So, Vladdy Guerrero, um, are you a? Have you got him in any teams? <laughs> I'm not sure if you have. Um, if you have, is he the type of guy that you're looking at that going absolutely fantastic? I've taken him 60th, 70th, and all of a sudden the production's there. Or you may be thinking, could I sell high on Vladdy now, maybe? I don't know. Uh, I don't have him in many teams because I found it hard to take the leap that his, um, appro- his approach, he was hitting too many ground balls previously. Now, obviously, we are trying to predict future performance, but I just couldn't find the logical leap to suggest that that was going to change anytime soon. However, it looks like it's one of those situations, potentially, where... Um, I should have had a crystal ball out, maybe, um, and and it's just going to bite you on the ass. Let's let's be honest. It, it, it sometimes you're going to get bitten. What he does have is an incredible incredible contact ability. He hits things pretty hard. He's um he's going to he's always going to sort of give you a solid batting average because of his approach. If if the power is coming along for the party, then yeah, you're looking at a complete player, aren't you? Really, and he's right in the he's right in the meat of the lineup. It's a decent lineup with Springer coming back, especially. Mm. And anyone who got Guerrero around 60th, 70th overall is sitting pretty right now. I think. Yeah, hold on, Guerrero. Then right, you, it looks potentially legitimate. You're not going to be. I don't think there's any that. profit to to be made. I mean, if yeah. if, if someone offers you. 
Jose Ramirez, then then maybe I'd, I'd do that, you know, sort of. But it's not going to happen. It's just not the sort of trade that happens. People don't do that. Um, whoever drafted Guerrero already has a third baseman elsewhere. It's just not, yeah. If you've got Guerrero, you're happy. Yeah. I guess the other third baseman that's absolutely gone bananas to start the year too is Justin Turner from the Dodgers. Wasn't much... Wasn't much talk about Justin Turner, I felt. I mean, we didn't really heavily get into him in the, the third base podcast, but um, Turner's, you know, six bombs, 20 RBIs. Um, he's hitting, I don't know, what's he hitting here? Over 300, I think. So, you know, Justin Turner being, you know, a real nice piece and a, a nice surprise late in draft. So, you know, is he the type of guy, though, maybe that you look to, to turn that into a profit at these kind of early stages? You know, could you turn Justin Turner into a a J-Ram if someone's, you know, seeing that production and want to make a move there. I don't know. Well, if you're playing with anyone that's going to give you J-Ram for Justin Turner, do it now and then maybe take the backlash from your teammates when they throw you out for corruption that they accuse you of. <laughs> or like, I like um, no, no one should be trading J-Ram for him. But Turner, I have him in the uh, UK Invitational League, uh, got him a nice price. He's... Staying healthy, Turner was skills-wise always going to be a bit of a steal at his price. Um, can he stay healthy? And and if he does, then yeah, fine. But he's not. He's never. He's not a sort of top five round guy. He's just started very very hot. But he's a fantastic batter with a with a good approach at the plate, and uh, he is capable of having a very good season. But I, I doubt he's going to hit. I mean, what's he hitting like 350 or something? I, mean, I and I, I doubt he's going to hit 40 home runs either. So the pace is going to cool off. You just have to be ready for that. Yeah. What about what about from the pitching side? I'm looking here at you know who's had real nice starts from you know not the top top tier like a De, you know the Degrom and, and Coles who have started well. Um, the guys that I guess were the tier down at least a tier down maybe was you know for example a, a Tyler Glasnow, a Corbin Burns. Both of those dudes have started real well. Um, I've seen both of them because the Marlins have faced them. So that's, I've had proper eyeballs on them. I must say, um, Glasnow was, I was blown away. I was really impressed with Tyler Glasnow. Truly, I was. Burns um, was impressed, but I, I, I actually think Glasnow is, is a better pitcher there overall, was just my take on it. Um, I know the, you know the Marlins got into him a little bit, but. Um, you know, those two two guys, what are you seeing from those two? Studs. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that I'm surprised I don't have them anywhere because what they are are K-freaks, they're strikeout freaks, they're swing and miss guys. Um, Glasnow was struggling to go deep into games previously and there are still some health concerns and there are still some walk concerns um, to an extent. So... You know, Glasnow, let's just see what he settles in as and if he can stay healthy. I, I The only issue really with Burns was the fact that people were and maybe still are to an extent just a little bit worried about how deep he goes into games, uh, five innings every now and again. Yeah. If they're the only concerns that you've got about pitchers and then other than that, you're pretty much saying they're absolute studs, they swing and misses are all there. The strikeout stuff is sexy. The potential's through the roof. It's absolutely enormous, enormous. If you got them where you got them, you're absolutely delighted. Um, and I'm devastated. I'm devastated that I don't have Corbin Burns because in the in the National League, in a weak, pretty weak division this year, yeah, yep. that that he could come away with some silly numbers when it's all said and done. Yeah. Silly. I agree, mate. I think that's it. You know, central. Central in the National League, these pitchers they they clearly can't hit right. So you know, and some of the and some of these lineups as well are like a, a terrible. I mean, you know, Marlins <laughs> got struck out tons against him. You know, you get the injury bug kicking in. You have got the the backups in there. Plus you got the pitcher. You know, there's almost three four Ks like waiting to happen at the bottom of the order. Like, um, yeah, it's crazy. But you know, real hot starts. Listen, two guys that. Uh, have really popped that were real deep, deep picks. One of them, no victory lap from me, but Trevor Rogers, oh my days, he is, you know, he is up there. He is absolutely performing. 
And the other dude as well uh, from the Braves, the um, Bob Bamba's favorite, and he's even got a T-shirt for him, um, who Oscar Yanoa um, is absolutely on fire too, striking everyone out. These dudes, you know, they're, they're delivering some serious value there. And also I need to, you, you need to tip your cap as well about Kevin Gorsman because I know you were all in on him. Boy, oh boy, he has been real nice to start the year. But, you know, Trevor Rogers, um, Yanoa, you know, these are the types of guys that, that can really win leagues for you, right? Where you, you, you pretty much, they go undrafted or you late round flyers. Next thing is the production is there, like top hundred type guys. So really impressive starts, um, you know, from those guys. Yeah, you, um, you just, you have to know who they are. Like, you know, uh, is, is, you can go away and look at his minor league career stats and sort of figure out the control and his, his whip is a bit of a concern. So, there is some strikeout stuff there. You can see that from his profile. I think his career strikeout per nine is about 9.3 in the minors, which is pretty decent. If he's at 9.3 in the minors, then I sort of earmark that straight away off my head. I'm kind of thinking maybe he's more of a natural sort of 8.5 K per nine guy in the majors. That's a very, that's not overly mathematical. That's not me looking into it in great detail. That's just me straight off the bat once I've looked at his minor league career stats thinking what is he at the major league level very quickly um but then also just seeing that his minor league whips 1.3 tells me that and again this is loose this is a very quick analysis if I'm looking at waiver wire additions I have to at least know in the back of my mind that I'm not potentially picked up someone that's going to be completely dominant but he does have the strikeout stuff which suggests he does have potential. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing the potential over the last two or three games, two or three starts, but you have to know that the odd blow-up could be there and, and it, it might not be plain sailing all the way. Hey, that's no. fine. Picked him up as a, as a freebie. That's absolutely fine. As you rightly say, if he does the business for you, happy days. Um, I think Rogers is... is more interesting and, and more talented overall than, than you know. Her. Um, the strikeout per nine was about 10.1 in the minors. He seems to have taken that to a new level early days in his major league career. I think his control is a little bit better as well. There's a bit more to him. Um, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, but the thing is, and, and I, I'll say it, there every single year there are pitchers that you've either drafted in the final five rounds or you've got them on waivers and they wind up being a major part of your fantasy baseball rotation. Yep. And every single year, there are guys that you drafted inside the top 15 rounds that you've got on waivers within about six weeks because you'd rather never even hear their name again, let alone see their name on your fantasy baseball roster. <laughs> Sometimes, see, this is the problem with ADPs and whatever. Again, where you have an ADP, it, it's it's like you're leading the witness almost, right? It's not your opinion. It's some aggregated opinion. And you end up making decisions based on ADP. And you're like, this is the wrong way to go about this. Um, I think that's the trap a lot of people fall into, particularly in drafts where it's timed. You know, we've all been there in a draft, right? And how can you quickly sort players? You go to ADP. That's a, the easiest metric to go and sort and look at. You've only got a minute to make a decision. I'm going to go to ADP. What position do I need? Oh, okay, yeah, I've heard of this guy. Um, but you take ADP away, um, some of these decisions you make, you're looking back, you go, that was terrible. <laughs> terrible decision. Why? I wish I should never be taking him here. Um, but a Trevor Rogers, a Yanoa, these dudes in many ways they're fantasy irrelevant for many people because you just, they don't follow the Marlins so that, you know, most people never heard of Trevor Rogers and would never draft him really, unless it was a late round flyer, you know, I don't think was really drafted either. Um, but, you know, they get the opportunity they're performing, which is great to see. What about on the flip side, mate? Bloody hell. There's some, there's some early draft picks that, you know, I mean, I've got to say uh, at the moment, Bellinger looks like, you know, the earliest of them that is in a real bad spot. Frankie Lindor also has not been great to get going. Um, you know, if you, Giolito has not been great and Mondesi as well. You know, these guys, they're all like first, second round picks um, that really come out cold. 
well, I mean, some of them they this hurt, year. But... Yeah, I mean, some of them this year are injury. I mean, the, lots of people saying don't go near Bellinger because of injuries, and and in some ways those guys have taken victory laps. I I, I think that's a little bit. The injury wasn't. What's the injury that he's got? Is it is, is it actually linked to the injury that he had previously? Or I'm not entirely sure that it is. I, I think that Bellinger, he's been a bit unlucky in a way because you can't just take a victory lap if he's had an injury that wasn't actually linked to the one that you were worried no. about. That that just It was a different to... one. <laughs> exactly. It was, the, it was a just... shoulder, wasn't it, we were worried yeah, about? So a lingering you shoulder. You can't really do that. That doesn't really... That's not right. <laughs> that's like... No. That's a bit of a joke, really. Um, yeah. You've just been a bit unlucky with him. Um this happens, You're, but even Bellinger, what are you going to do? You're just going to put him on your IL and you're going to go and look for some help elsewhere and, and hope that he comes back healthy. Same with Mondesi. No one, no one's, I don't think there's much more you can do. I don't think if someone wants to trade for them, they're going to lowball you. Um, so unless you have some inside info that they're going to be out for the rest of the season or something, you can try and quickly get rid of them. I don't know, but you don't, you're just going to put them away and try and go elsewhere. Good news is, it opens up at bats for other people and there's always those guys available. So, I mean, one, one trick that people do like to do, you just have to be aware that your, your, your league mates are doing the same. If you, if you click on your little down arrow and, and when you're searching for free agents and you go to like the last 14 days, you can just search by at bat. Or if you do last seven days, you can search by at bats and you can just see who is getting the at bats. Now, obviously you can also search home runs. You can search stolen bases, if it's just a seven day period, then you're going to get a lot of random variants. So just because someone has two home runs in the last seven days, doesn't mean that they've got a lot of power. You know, you, you got to be careful with that. You could literally like end up with some dud that's not going to hit for any power over the next six months and just happen to have a really good week. But searching by ABs is useful because you're actually seeing who the managers are turning to, who's getting the playing time. And then you, you you just need to look at the players and actually sort of think in your mind, regardless of what they've done over the last seven days, which one of these is the most talented and, and which one yeah. can give me the most future value. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, in a, in a, this is all about counting stats and points, you know, the more ABs you get, the more chance you've got to, you know, score runs, hit home runs, steal bases, whatever it may be. So, you know, it's uh, that's a real, real nice piece of advice in terms of, you know, looking at waivers, players to add, sort by ABs in terms of a two, two-week period or last month or whatever it may be as we get further into the season. Understand who's actually, you know, getting the at-bats these days. And those are the guys that you should be looking at and then try and make your decision based on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's groundbreaking, but there may be some oh. people listening that don't think of doing it. Um, but you, be aware that some of your teammates are doing it and be <laughs> Everyone's aware. doing it now. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, it, you then, you could do with some context. You could do with then just seeing, okay, does Philip Evans has got 43 at-bats over the last uh, two weeks this is mainly because Cabrian Hayes is injured. Maybe just do a quick Google search to make sure that Cabrian Hayes isn't due back tomorrow. Because if he's due back tomorrow, then Philip Evans isn't going to get 43 ABs over the next two weeks. So you also need some context. That can't really be taught. You have to know the rosters. This is the thing. You, you, there's no easy way to beat someone who knows the rosters better than you. Yeah. Because if someone just knows the rosters better than you and knows the context, they have an immediate advantage because they can always make more informed decisions than you. Mm-hmm. That That's how people get good at fantasy baseball. They know the league. They know the rosters. They know the context of every single situation. That's it. That's the key, isn't it? It's understanding why... The context, effectively, why are they getting the at-bats? What does the future outlook look like? Because when you're making those decisions, you're only looking backwards. Problem is, you need to know what's happening in the future. That's the key. Who's coming back? Why are they getting at-bats? I mean, if, you know, predicting the future is impossible in many ways. Unless, uh... No, no you, what you're saying is absolutely right. When you search, you're only seeing the past. The past stats are not going into your fantasy team. 
the future stats are what going into your fantasy you go. team. You're absolutely bang on. I mean, look at John Bertie, for example. 35 ABs over the last uh, two weeks, um, yeah. getting a lot more playing time, quite a lot of injuries uh, now. You've just mentioned Jazz Chisholm. I know that Cooper and Dickerson were, were struggling yesterday. I don't know what their situation is. I've not managed to look yet, but it all just adds up. One or two injuries for Miami means that all of a sudden John Bertie isn't just um, a utility guy. He's a guy that they're having to turn to most of the week. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. John Bertie, all of a sudden, from a super util, is, is an everyday player, a third base at the moment, because Brian Anderson's on the IL. And that's, you know, he's on the 10-day. You know he is. BA will come back. You know, I think that... The prognosis, you know, I'm not going to deep dive in on John Birdie, but, you know, the prognosis, BA will be back. Um, but all of a sudden, Jazz Chisholm's out too. So, or actually, is John Birdie going to slide into second base and play every day as well, perhaps? So, you know, the outlook for John Birdie, for the John Birdie owners, is positive, I'd say, right now. I mean, you've had you've had a surge this week. He's hit two bombs. Um, don't think he stole any bags, though, which you know, is normally part of his MO. But, um, you know, I, I don't think he has. Um, but two bombs, no bags, not John Birdie like, but he's got everyday at bats. Um, you know, you've had the uptick. So, and it, it, listen, it, it depends on your league. You're absolutely right. But it depends on your league. It depends on the other side to this that we haven't quite got onto is who do you drop? Like, what, who do you want and who do you drop? So, a lot of this depends on the size of your bench, it depends on your IL rules. Um, be careful with who you put onto your IL. Just because someone's gone to the IL in real life doesn't mean you have to put them there. If you've only got a limited number of spots and let's just say Corey Kniebel goes to the IL and we're not quite sure what's going on with his arm and it doesn't look great yeah. and he's just a set-up man anyway. If you've only got two spots and you've already got Yelich there and, you, and you, what are you going to do? It's just bye-bye, see you later. Yeah, like, so... Be. Don't don't be wasting those. Um, think about the size of your bench. Think about what you need. What do you need in a game week? Are you, do you do daily moves? If you do daily moves, do you want... Are you struggling for Ks in your league? Because if you're struggling for Ks and you've fallen behind the pace a little bit, maybe you want to make sure that you've got a couple of starters on your bench that you can get into your lineup each week. Um, maybe you specifically want to target that so that you can rotate the pitchers in and out as and when they play and you can get more starts in a game week than than perhaps you normally would because you're catching up with k's and you, you always want to make sure you get to your max innings if, if your max in it uh max innings is 1400 you, you you've got to get to 1400 you gotta get there if you end that season at 1200 it doesn't matter how damn good your pitchers are you ain't going to win the k's category and you no. ain't going to win the wins category because they're two cumulative categories. So you can't fall behind. You have to understand ratios. You have to understand. It doesn't matter if you have DeGrom and Bieber. If you manage to get them 15 and 16 in your league and you were feeling great, that doesn't matter if you're too lazy to make sure that you get to 1,400 innings by the time the season's all said and done. But if you don't get there, everyone else will. It doesn't matter that they got Dee Sclafani as their ace. They're still yeah. going to beat you. So every, everything's the game. It, it's, it's about being on the ball. It's about playing the game. Similarly, if you're in the daily lineups league, it might be useful to have um, some bench bats in case there's any injuries and stuff. You can, you can rotate out and make sure that you've got them. If you're, in, if you're in weekly lineups, it becomes a bit different. And one thing that you may want to do is go onto the RotoWire website and have a look at two start game weeks. Because if, if, you, if you're playing like I do and you do like to churn the bottom of your rotation and stream from time to time um, and you're happy to sort of drop starters, you, you know, perhaps you've got Aaron Sanchez one week because he's got two games and then you want to drop him and go after Jake Junis next week or whoever it may be. Low-end starters, happy to churn them. Yeah, Go on, go on the RotoWire website and, and just check ahead of each week Who's due to start two games? Oh, well, I tell you, as, as literally you're talking there, some breaking news dropping, speaking about needing SP streamers, the Brewers have just placed two starters on the IL. 
Zach Godley, which we knew about because he went out the game yesterday with a finger. Corbin Burns on the injured list. Corbin Burns popping on the injured list. Not sure. It doesn't say 10-day, so it may be the COVID IL, perhaps. I'm not, not clear, but you know, there you go. All of a sudden, two of the five starters from the Brew Crew on the IL called up Alec Bettinger and Eric Lauer from the Alterna training site. <laughs> so, you know, the merry-go-round in, uh, in Milwaukee there. Um, I think uh, they're coming to Miami, actually, at the uh, next week. So that's good news for the Marlins. <laughs> they, um, yeah, I don't know. I know that Josh Lindblom, I, I liked him coming. He got absolutely blown oh, up in relief the other day, didn't he? So um, he did. I think they, they would have naturally wanted to turn to Lindblom. I, they, they may still. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to stretch him out. Um, it was just one really bad outing. I don't know. Yeah, no, agreed. So yeah, there you go. Literally, you know, things happen fast, right? And that's you got to be on it. So, okay, let's let's have a look at some... You're right. Part of the, the, the picking up of players is the, the decision-making of who you drop. So let's maybe dig into TGFBI leagues for both of us and perhaps, you know, talk through some of the moves we've made in FAB. This is a, a FAB league, so not a straight kind of um, waivers or anything like that. It's, um, you know, FAB, so you have to make your bids, sealed bids, as we mentioned, and um, if you win it, you win, and you drop the player. So let's talk through maybe um, the, the moves you've made and maybe some of the decision-making that went into that in the early couple of weeks. If you've got your TGFBI roster up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's always up. Um, yeah, so a lot of this played into my strategy early anyway. So um, one, of, one of the things I like to do, as you know, is to, is to churn the, um, the bottom end of my rotation um early on in the year it was kind of like oh, after the draft oh come on this guy didn't Oscar Mercado didn't make the team Josh Lindblom wasn't a starter get rid of him thanks very much mm-hmm. um so that was uh, sort of fairly easy going but as we move on um it's ma- mainly mainly two things really always making sure that my bench has got an option for every single position. So when Thursday comes around each week and you can change the hitting portion of your lineup in TGFBI, there's always an option if someone else on the starting roster has got injured. Um, secondly, make sure that the bottom end of my rotations is maxed out as it can be, usually in terms of Ks. So what I mean is making sure that the bottom two, the sort of three or four guys that are always going to be in my starting lineup, um, Kevin Gossman included. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always going to make sure that I then add a couple of two-start pitchers. Um, if they come, that doesn't, but again, that doesn't mean going silly. Like go, going after guys like Aaron Sanchez and Jake Junis on two-start weeks, we're talking like small bids because it doesn't matter if you miss out on them. Like if you miss out on them, it's ha- bidding for fab. If anyone's in fab's league, is all about how valuable is that to you as well? P- people forget that. People go, Oh, how much should I bid on this guy? It's like, well, I don't really know because I don't own your team. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. like. I'm sorry. Like, that. That's kind of the truth of it. So, how valuable is it to you? Well, to me, the difference between adding some of these low end pitchers can be minimal. So I, I literally think in my head, okay, I prefer Aaron Sanchez this week. I have Junis a little bit down. I'm just using random names. I like Michael Walker a little bit. Okay, fine. So I might like six guys and then I'll bid on them accordingly. I'm not going to bid like a hundred dollars of my a thousand uh, fab. That, that's ridiculous because that's not, it's not worth that to me. It doesn't bother me if I miss out. So um, yeah. The, the, so that means I've ended up with guys this year, like Matt Shoemaker um, has done a job for me on a couple of two start weeks. Um, I think that more recently, guys like, uh, yeah, D- Dane Dunning came onto the roster. I've mentioned Aaron Sanchez a few times. He came in, done a bit of a job. Um, so, yeah, we're not talking about like these are not going to win your leagues, but what are they going to do when they're on two star weeks, two star weeks especially? They're going to give you Ks, they're going to give you potentially some wins. Um, happy days. Yeah. Although, I'll be honest. I did get Gombud this week. Oh boy! Uh, have you heard this uh, 
this verb, gombard? I have. I have. There was a lot of helium behind that name, right? And then everyone piled <laughs> in and uh, it didn't, didn't end well, I believe. I don't, know about, I don't know about helium, but like the two-star wheat looked okay. And I just thought, you know, it was mainly for the Ks and the, yeah. he was on the road. He wasn't in Colorado. And yeah, his control issues bit him big time. And it, you know what? Everyone says, oh, you definitely should have known that. Well, yeah, I, d- I did know that there was some risk doing it. Like, but... There's also some risk when I'm not, I'm sorry, there's risk when I add Aaron Sanchez, there's risk when I add Danny Duffy. There's like there are guys guys do get blown up for like six, seven, eight runs. I, I mean Kyle Hendricks got tagged for seven runs the other day. So oh boy. So did did everyone get Hendricked? Or like I, I suppose the difference is pe- people think, oh, you were trying to be smart by adding Gomba. I wasn't really trying to be smart, like I was yeah. just just playing the odds that he had a good two-start week on the road gives me the Ks. Unfortunately, I've also ended up with nine earned runs. <laughs> oh, boy. Doesn't sound good. Doesn't I'm... sound good. That blew up the ratios. Um, I suppose the only other thing, mate, is closers. Like, what, what do you, especially in fab leagues, what do you do? Who do you pay for? How yeah. much do you pay? Oh, hard. I mean, have you added any closers in fab leagues, TGFBI? I'm just looking now. So um, I drafted loads of fringe guys. I think that was, I, I took Diaz and then I took a load of fringe, like, you know, could make it options. Okay. Um, that was my strategy anyway. And I've actually had to get rid of a couple of those, you know, <laughs> some of those fringe guys, you know, clearly they're, they're not in the role or seemingly they're not. <laughs> so my, I've only made four moves and they are, I, I drafted Isan Diaz thinking at the time, because obviously we start drafting TGFBI way in advance of the start of the year as a slow draft. So I took Isan Diaz at the time. The, the view was he may get that job at second base for the Marlins. And I also took Jazz. So you know, I had one of them. Didn't matter. So Isan didn't get it. Moved him on for Yermin Mercedes uh, in the first or second waves. That was a real nice pickup um, for the Yerminator. Um, I took... I. <laughs> I got Mickey Cabrera, um, but I had to drop. I had to drop Rafael Delis because, you know, this is Fab uh, Fab, the third Fab wave. At the time, Delis, he was injured. I think, obviously, all these other, you know, Merriweather was a sexy name. Romano was a sexy name. Delis was like, you know, outside looking in. So I was like, yeah, let's let's move on from Delis. Also, in the same Fab period, I, I dropped Chad Green, and I. Uh, I got Yanoa uh, for him. So I felt like that was a nice pickup, actually. And the only other move I've made is uh, Dom Nunez, the catcher, um, the Rockies catcher. I think he's a backup catcher, but um, I had Georgie Alfaro, of course. Um, so I had to drop him and get a catcher in, and I had to drop Pete Fairbanks to make that happen. So I've dropped three of my fringe relievers. Um, so I'm now looking a bit thin there. <laughs> But, well, relievers are hard. I mean, that, that Toronto situation is a great example of the volatility of the closing. I mean, I'll be honest, I thought you can't predict Merriweather was going to get hurt. It looked like it was said and done and he was going to run away with it. He looked really good. But um, yeah, yeah people, over, people did pay quite a lot for him. But you can kind of understand it in this year. You know, he worth quite valuable. Um, now Romano's back, isn't he? But Delise kind of looks like, kind of looks like maybe they're going to say, okay, you've had a couple of saves and we're not going to change this back to Romano. We're just going to let him get healthy and, and maybe leave Delise in, in the role. So yeah, yeah, you got a bit unlucky there because you you've dropped Delise at a time when it looked like his role was definitely gone. And then a couple of unexpected things have happened and, and bang, there you go. But this is kind of the point, you know, do you have room on your bench to keep some of the more speculative relievers that aren't quite the closer yet. And, and the truth is most of the season, no, you, you don't really. You don't. No, you don't because you, you need backup hitters um, because you don't want dead spots and, and you need um, some pitchers to sort of rotate in and out each week. So just to call need- it out as well, you know, everyone's probably wondering where's Pete in the rankings, TGFBI, is he now in the top 100 like last year? Absolutely not. He is 336th overall or something like that. So it's been a tough start for... Uh, well, uh, before I got gombered, it was uh, it was going all right, mate. But I'm a, uh, 
one two nine overall at the minute. So not not bad, but uh, Doing I like up. a I like I like a top one hundred at, at the very least. You know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> so let's let's finish off with the stuff that everyone's been waiting for. You know, this is the key bit right now. Who who are the waivers? Who are the free agents? Who are the guys that we're targeting now? You know, right at the back end of April, who are the names that you're thinking of as you, well, are you making some fab bids tonight, I guess, for uh, for any, I think, it, what, what day? It is Thursday today, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell, I don't even know what day it is. Um, but who, who's on your mind? Um, and I guess on the flip side, who's going to be the collateral damage in terms of drops? <laughs> um, well, it depends how deep your league is, but if we're going pretty deep, Again, I mentioned Bertie. I like John Bertie right now because of the situation. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like anyone that's playing that isn't a disaster. And if they have some power and a little bit of speed, then even better. I mean, Bertie doesn't have much power, but he does have speed and he has the ability to hit some out um, and he's going to hit sort of like sixth in the lineup sometimes. So, yeah, nice. Um, okay. I like guys, I mean, it depends what you mean by like. I don't like like them, but, you know, <laughs> Josh Fuentes, uh, Colorado, just seems to consistently be getting playing time and he's got a bit of pop. He's in a nice ballpark, happy days. Gregory Polanco seems to be like free. So, you know, you know, free going, you can get him. He might give you a bit of, he might hurt your batting average a bit. You just have to know what profile you're adding. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, there are others that I would just always avoid. So like, you know, people when Mickey Moniak came up and people like, Oh, maybe I'll just add Moniak. It's like, no, don't, don't do that because he's never played in the majors before and he barely hit well at AAA. So like, let's just be realistic about what we can expect from certain individuals and, and what they are. So guys like Josh Harrison, he's getting out bats and He's not super exciting, but if you need at-bats and you need a little bit of pop with a little bit of speed, and there's a lot worse options than Josh Harrison right now. Um, it, on the pitching side, it's, e it's easier because there's always talent available on pitching. So it's not something that you need to panic about. You can either sort by innings pitched um, just to sort of see who's... But be careful with that because if you're only looking at two weeks, it depends when the starts fell. In some ways, I just prefer to go for the last two weeks and just sort by Ks. Just sort by Ks and, and have a look at who's getting the strikeouts and who's pitching well. And, and then again, it just... So if I go on NFBC, I can sort by Ks and I'm looking at... The first guy's Cole Irvin, who used to pitch for the Phillies. I know he's had a very decent start, but I also know that that could blow up at any moment because he isn't really a K guy. So... yeah. I can, I can just see straight away to be careful. Whereas someone like Rich Hill, I'd be a bit more interested to see who his upcoming matchups are because Rich Hill has the ability to, to keep up a high K rate and to, to, to provide some serious value. Um, guys like J Justin Dunn is a little bit, a little bit interesting. Um, there's a few. There's a few that are interesting. You know, even guys like John Gans, who who I saw on in play runs. You know, he, his control can go completely out the window at times, but he does have K ability. So if he's got a nice matchup, then John Gans is someone that I'd be interested in. There's always pitching. There's yeah. always pitching. Um, don't let anyone kid you. And sort of some of there's a risk involved whenever you stream anyone. But that doesn't mean that, that that shouldn't put you off from the process. The process is find guys that have talent, that have good matchups in good ballparks and get them into your lineup. I mean, sound advice. It's trying to understand who are the guys that are good <laughs> sometimes. Um, but I'll tell you one guy that, that popped for me over the weekend uh, who plays for the Brewers, I say over the weekend, um, through this series anyway. Um, Tyrone Taylor, who, you know, the Brewers obviously, they're a bit dinged up in the outfield. Um, so Tyrone Taylor had a couple of starts against the Marlins and, you know, looked a real nice hitter. I think he was primarily in the leadoff spot, but maybe even kind of went maybe four or five in the lineup as well. Um, you know, just when... Okay, well, let's, let's do this live. Um, well, you, 
you mentioned a guy that I know very little about. Um, he has, first thing I do is go to baseball reference. So all I have to do is pop his name into baseball reference. I know nothing about him. Yeah. He's got 80 at bat, uh, sorry, 80 plate appearances at the major league level, hitting 310 um, with four home runs and a stolen base. Guess what? 80 at bats or 80 plate appearances. What do, what do I think to that? Completely irrelevant. I'm not even going to bother looking at it. Okay. So okay. What, what he's done at the major league level, it's not enough. So it, it means nothing. Zilch, nothing. Tells me nothing about the player. So I have to go to his minor league stats to find out something about him. Let's have a look at how old he is. He's 27. Okay. So he's 27. 80, 80 plate appearances, not enough. Minor leagues, 3,220 plate appearances in the minors. Okay. That should be a sample size for you. That tells me something about the player. (laughs) (laughs) He's a a triple A player that you're basically saying, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's have a look. Well, no, I mean, that doesn't matter. He he could be a late bloomer. That's it doesn't matter that he spent a lot. Yeah. Obviously he spent loads of time down. That's okay. Just depends who he is. Let's find out who he is. Um, Cumulatively over those 3,200 plate appearances, He's hit 270 in the minors um, with approximately a ratio of walks to strikeouts at one to two. So for every one walk, he has two strikeouts, hitting 270. Now, the walk to strikeout is important because you want to have a look at that. That suggests something about his plate appearance. If how he approaches it in the play at the plate and his and his control and his sort of his his batting guy basically um, his ability to make contact and his batting eye tells us something about it. This is a loose analysis off the bat. One to two at the minor league level suggests that we're looking at maybe, especially early in his career, more like one to three at the major league level because he's going to struggle more and he's going to get struck out more at the major league level. If I had to earmark him for a batting average at the major league level, in terms of a downside, we may be looking as low as like 240, 250. Um, His OPS over 3,200 plate appearances in the minors is 738. Now, that is atrocious. Um, (laughs) 738 is... It's not a good OPS. Now, on-base plus slugging suggests that he's hardly got any power. Now, over the course of most of his career, that is true. In 2018, he hit 20 home runs. Um, In 2019, he hit 14 home runs. So he he seems to have developed a bit of power later in his career. So there is some hope um, in terms of stolen bases. He had more speed earlier in his career, and that seems to have dissipated a bit. I think we're looking at a guy that might hit like 240, 250. I'd pencil him in over the course of a full season in the majors for about 12 home runs, if I'm being generous, and uh, stolen bases, maybe 12 as well. Basically, not great. Bang average, basically. Well, not I... great, but could give you some power, could give you some speed. If you're in an NL only league and you thought you had. I don't know what his playing time situation is, but if you if you thought he had playing time in an NL only league, then yeah, it's a sort of deep league where you might take a flyer because there's nothing on waivers. But in TGFBI, unless he's playing every day and you, you're absolutely sure, don't let what you see with the eye deceive. Mm-hmm. You have to go to you have to go to the baseball reference and find out who he is. I did not expect a full deep dive on Tyrone Taylor in this episode. So I'm, 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 he's going to be now one of the most watched Roto Brick players. <laughs> We're going to be tracking Tyrone Taylor all year. There may not be much to track. You, you, the weirdest thing is you, I sometimes I only know these guys by the stats and I've never even seen them. And then yeah. like, I'll, I'll feel a bit bad almost because I see that they're actually like a real human. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, I should have been, should have been nicer to this guy. He looks nice. He does look nice, actually. Do you know what? I felt like he was a nice looking guy. <laughs> nice looking dude. To me, just, 
he hit well. Like he's just a guy that just popped. I'd never heard of him either. Like you, never heard of Tyrone Taylor. But in the series against the Marlins, I was like, yeah, he looks a legit hitter. Clearly, do you know what? Yelich is out. The only, the only interest, the interesting thing is that it does seem to have had some power development in recent years, and mm. so sometimes that does tell us that there's been a bit of a. There has been some real development because it you can't just look at it as the full 3,200 because many of those play appearances would have been when he was a very young prospect, perhaps when he was overmatched, perhaps when he was struggling and still developing. There is some there is something of interest there in deeper leagues. There we go. Tyrone Taylor. Don't go out, don't go out of your way. No. Don't go I, out looking, of your way. <laughs> looking at it here on, uh, on Yahoo... Uh, just because that's why what I've got open, he's four percent owned. So you know, uh, and those four percent have all come in the last week. <laughs> well, uh, which team is he on? Did you say Brewers? Brewers, yeah, yeah. So I mean, also Yelich is due back pretty soon, so playing time is uh, well. I think he's been hitting in the batting cage, so I would imagine that um, uh, his playing time opportunities are going to dry up. He's on his way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, any other news and notes? Any other guys you want to touch on? Mention uh, people you're excited about for the next week ahead. There's there's Pavin or Pavin? Is it Pavin Smith or Pavin? I don't I don't know. Um, he, he's oh. getting the at bats in Arizona. First baseman, outfielder. Um, an interesting guy. Not huge amounts of power, um, but quite a nice approach at the plate um and they seem to have turned to him now they they had um a few injuries and he just he's getting regular playing time so i'd watch him uh, 143 walks to 150 strikeouts in his minor league career so almost one walk for every one strikeout that's very good that that tells me that he he needs he could do with developing a bit of power if he ever wants to become a permanent first baseman at this level but while he's got the playing time, he's got a nice batting eye and I think he could provide some nice value. Um, Can I ask you, before you go into your next one, there's a guy that Dave Shaw's been giving some helium to and I, I have a feeling you, oh, may, yeah. you may have seen him, so that's why I'll ask. It's... Um, Matonator. <laughs> the Matonator, the <laughs> yeah. Give us the rundown. This dude. Dave, Dave Shaw's giving it a ton of helium. He looks like a middle infielder. I've never seen him apart from the game I just watched before we, we started recording yeah. against the Cardinals. Um, I don't know if you've seen the result on that, but it wasn't positive. Um, but what's what what's the lowdown on, on the Matonator? Well, he uh, apparently started well. Um, he has one walk and 11 strikeouts. Um, I'm not sure in what world that counts as starting well but um (laughs) i mean listen it just (laughs) the matinator as actually that's unlike him he he, again like the guy we just mentioned tyrone taylor he's a a a one to two walk for strikeout so it's not disastrous but um contact isn't really his bag um his power's poor um very poor compared that he's never hit more than eight home runs over 460 at bats um and the speed's fairly limited as well um i prefer your tailor um to the matinator <laughs> um in terms of fantasy baseball um no you can't i wouldn't i'd be concerned if i was at if i was adding him in a league with ops i'd be very concerned his ops over 1168 plate appearances is 720 in the minors there's hardly any power he doesn't make great contact and the speed is is average he's just going to be a utility guy really for philly and and once segura is back he'll just be back at the alternate site um eventually at this point in his career the matinator you know he, he could come good but at this point in his career um where he's never had a triple a at bat never had a triple a at bat He's had quite a lot of dub, double A at backs, but he's never had triple A at bat. Yeah, the last time the Phillies decided to bump someone pretty much straight from double A to the majors, it was a guy called Scott Kingery. Have you ever watched him bat? I have. He's hit a few Kingery dingeries, but he's not <laughs> been great. He's not been great recently. 
<laughs> so I, uh, I've always say this about the Phillies. I don't know, like, I don't want to be negative, but why do they do this? Like, just let the guy develop. Like, I, I know they've had a Segura's down, but he's fine. He's had a fairly decent start where he's sort of, but no, he, he needs to develop. He'll be back at the alternate site very soon. Don't add the Matonia. Oh dear, Dave Shaw. He sent me on a. He sent me up a, up a garden path with that one. I think. <laughs> Dave, well, Dave just loves the Phillies. That's okay. Dave loves the Phillies. Um, the Mayton, and the thing is, I'm not like. There's a difference between bait, fantasy baseball and baseball. So he's up and he's helping the Phillies. Like, and the Phillies needed some help because Segura's hurt. So it's fine to get excited about a guy as a fan. But if you're going to add him to your fantasy baseball team, then you just have to be warned as to what may come. What may come is absolutely no power, very little speed, and a batting average that will send you so far south that you'll basically be, you know, down at the South Pole. Oh, boy. I can't wait to clip this tomorrow and put it up on, on Twitter tomorrow with this specific segment on the on the Don't, Maple don't tag Dave. Sure, you're going to kill me. I'm supposed to be on in-play runs on Sunday. <laughs> I'll save it for Monday then. <laughs> All right, buddy. Listen, you had a few others lined up. Who, who else are you diving into for this week? Who, who are the names you're thinking of? Um, yeah. Um, I think I've met I've, it. Pitching, I'm not going to go too far in. Pitching depends on who's doing your two star weeks. Um, there's, I'm, you know, who's going to take advice off me on who to get when I've just added Austin Gomber and got done for nine runs. So anyone who's listens thinking, who's this clown? I, I don't really want to pay attention to his pitching. Um, <laughs> pitching advice. Um, guys, go go for the um, go for the ABs. Go for the people that um, are doing it. I mean, if people have dropped guys, like, I mean, listen, Brandon Crawford isn't exciting. Um, Brandon Crawford doesn't have much power. And historically... Brandon Crawford is someone that has been hugely overvalued at drafts and people have paid a price for him that I've never understood. Mm. Now he's basically on the waiver wire and you can get him everywhere. And if you need a shortstop that's starting and someone that can help you and not kill you, then absolutely fine. Thank you very much. Um, Some have dropped Garrett Cooper. I mean, if Cooper's going to come back healthy, then, you know, free, first base, outfield eligible. If he comes back, um, I don't know what his health status is like, but I do. I like. I like. Yeah, he's okay. He's okay. Had a foul foul ball onto his foot. X-ray clear. Cooper Loop. He's playing every day. The Marlins. They've solved. The thing is, for the Marlins, they've solved the platoon issue because Marte's out. They've put Duvall in center. So all of a sudden, the three, the platoon is gone of Aguilar, Cooper Loop, Duvall, Dickerson. All of them playing every day. And you've seen what Aguilar's doing now. Aguilar's absolutely. He's the hottest guy in the whole of MLB right now. He's absolutely on fire. A ripper's power from the big man. So he's killing it. Um, I like uh if you needed a catcher, I was liking Astadio um from Minnesota mm-hmm. this week, mainly because Sano has has gone down with an injury. So again, that's contextual. So it's just opened up some playing time. You know, mm-hmm. he's not he, he he's just gonna help you. He gets a lot of hits, makes a lot of really good contact and and He's an interesting guy that's going to help you batting average rather than hurt it, which if you're in a two-catcher league, picking up a catcher, the second one, that's actually going to help you and not just really drain everything is useful. So I like Castadio this week. Um, really looking at guys that... Guys like Mitch Moreland that are still getting at bats and doing the work. It, listen, none of these are none of these guys are really, really going to excite you, but they they will get the job done for you. Um, in terms of closers, oh boy, that's, <laughs> Good that's luck harder. With that one. What are you going to do? I mean, for me personally, it's been quite a struggle. I'm, I'm glad. I don't know. It's been hard to. I think if you're going to pay, if you're going to pay the big money, you kind of want to know he's got the job and I think he's got a very decent chance of running away with the job. So I yeah. paid decent money for guys like Lou Trevino um, on Oakland who sort of got it and is pretty decent and looks like he's going to run. Um, but Do you know who the save leader is right now? Go on. You know, Mark Melanson called it out early doors, right? Melanson, yeah. Eight saves for Melanson. Killing it. 
Killing it. Um, Jake McGee, though. Jake McGee, seven saves for the Giants. I know, and I, I just wouldn't have gone near either. And remember, we could still see one or either of them blow up. Yeah, and so be replaced you, quickly, right? And, like, we, and we are we are early. They've had great starts. They've had a lot of opportunities. They've yeah. converted most of them. But remember, closers don't pitch a lot. They only pitch one inning, usually. So... You can very quickly, if you get in a hot run, I'm not saying this is what's happened. Both of those guys are pitching pretty well, but, you know, I'm not not dissing them. But you can very quickly, and this can happen with guys, they don't always have great skills, but they con us over a few months because they put together one inning that's good and then another inning that's good, and there can be a lot of variance in it. So sometimes we sort of get conned into thinking that Cesar Valdez is like one of the world's greatest pitchers when really... <laughs> the next six run inning is only around the corner, you know? Yeah. And then it's uh, Tanner Scott season, I think, or whatever after that, right? I think that's the next guy up. I don't think I'll be going near the uh, situation in Baltimore. No, we saw Valdez. He he had a save against the Marlins, so I've seen him in action. And boy, oh boy, just he throws 70 mile an hour, um, you know, just donkey drops. (laughs) It's a different approach, that is for sure, in terms of uh, a closer. I mean, McGee, you know, seven saves from McGee plus a win. So fair play. But looking a bit further down there in terms of the saves, guys, you've got, you know, Iglesias with four saves, but a six ERA. Liam Hendricks, four saves, uh, an over four ERA for him. Um, you know, Iglesias has got two losses as well. So some of the boys, I tell you, the one guy that's that's popped for me that I think we all had put in the bin, Kimbrel. You know, four saves. I don't think he's given up a run yet. If I'm if I'm right, he's only given up one hit in nine innings. Kim Kimbrel, bloody hell! I mean, we literally we all had him in the bin, didn't we? You know, going nowhere near him, and so. Yeah, but again, I mean, we'll see. But remember, he's pitched nine innings. He's pitched nine innings. So <laughs> it's not like, enough for you. No, of course. The fine start, fantastic, but nine innings. And by the time the season's said and done it, he'll hope to have pitched at least sort of like 62, something like that. So we'll see. They don't pitch a lot of innings. That's all he has to do. Maybe he can keep it up. Yeah, perhaps. You're right. This you know, this closing situation, it could change at the drop of a hat for many of these teams, but some of them are settling in now. Like you are, you know, Reyes looks like he's got the job for the Cardinals, looks in that real nice picture to um, Alex Reyes, I must say. Um, you know, Valdez has the job in Baltimore. Neris has the job with the Phillies, albeit that's that's a bad situation about to happen every time. Like, I mean... <laughs> Dave Shaw, again, I lean on Dave. He's like my beat writer for the Phillies. And he's nervous every time Neris is out there. And so that says to me what I what I need to know about Neris. He's a six-running way to happen. Like, he could blow up at any point, Neris. Um, but, you know, there's, there's there's some guys, I think, that are locking into roles now. And there's still some that are wide open. What are the Royals doing with the, with the closers? Bloody hell. You've had six guys, I think, had saves for the Royals. So... I mean, I don't think they expected to win as many games, maybe. I don't know, but um, you know, fair play to them. Yeah, it looks like they're going to go with Stomont now, but um, I don't know. Holland's not right. Um, I don't know. Stomont's another one of those. I mean, this week you sort of think like, oh, well, am I really going to bid like $150 on this guy? Because it's hard. Like at the start of the week, do you definitely think he's got it? Or might they go back to way davis or might they might scott barlow's picking pitching quite well if it's a committee is stomont really worth like 15 percent of my entire fab budget these mm-hmm. are the decisions you've got to make so i mean earlier in the season when we had dave on from rotosaurus and he said go yeah. and get emmanuel class a now yeah you could tell from the tone of his voice he was absolutely he adamant he and, he, and he, he had the context because he's a cleveland fan and he's a hardcore fantasy baseball guy and he just knew so to him, spending that money, if he was on waivers, yeah, it's got to be done. It's got to be done because he's in. Whereas Stonemont this week's kind of like, yeah, maybe. Well, quick update on Class A. Four saves, two wins, zero ERA. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's actually filthy. He is. He is filthy. 
real filthy. Hey, I must say, I haven't seen um, Devin Williams for the first time against the Marlins uh, this week as well. Bloody hell, that dude is is a real good pitcher. Um, that Brew Crew leverage pen is, whew, if they get a lead, they are tough to beat. Um, you know, Hader's still looking real nice, but yeah, Devin was was very impressive too. So um, cool. Well, Ryan, I think I think that will cover us for this week. We've just gone over an hour, I'd say, mate. So uh, we're I'll back. Like, we're back in the saddle after we're two back. weeks. I off. mean, it would be uh, it'd be interesting to see what response the the mateinator analysis gets. But uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Both my, my cat is now knocking over the microphone. So. <laughs> We've got cat as stop play. That's what. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, then. So that is it. That's uh, the episode in the books. We will be back, I hope, next Thursday. We hope to get back on, on the horse. Go on, Ryan. And let, let, let's plug it. We're, we're both on in-play runs at the weekend on Sunday. So let's let's give the MLB community, uh, UK community, a shout-out and say, guys, why wouldn't you want to come and listen to that? I'm covering Pirates versus Cardinals. So who doesn't get excited about a Premier. Pirates game? Who doesn't? Premier matchup. Absolutely. What are you doing? Listen, Marlins are on. Marlins, Nats. So, you know, I'm, I'm on for the Marlins. Trevor Rogers versus Max Scherzer. Uh, that could be... I may not be talking. It may just be, you know, just strikeout after strikeout. I mean, who knows? But... Yeah, you're right. So uh, well called out, Ryan. Um, we're both on in-play runs. For those in the UK that are listening to this pod, you probably know what in-play runs is right now. Conscious, though, there's guys maybe based in the US that listen to this podcast that may not have ever heard of in-play runs. If you haven't, it's a show put on by, by Dave Shaw, and it is, uh, <laughs> I describe it as a, a live look-ins type show, but without the look-ins. <laughs> It's uh, it's it's reporters covering every game as they happen, and you get all the commentary and action as it happens. It's a YouTube stream show, so go and subscribe to InPlay Runs. It's an absolutely, it's a quality production from Dave, from Dave, and uh, and myself, Ryan, and, and tons of other UK guys are on covering our team. So yeah, that's Sunday, six o'clock start. Looks so. like I'm getting the ageless wonder, Adam Wainwright. Oh boy, how old is he? he must be like sixty now. Like he has been a wow. I just, I can't believe he's still doing the business. Still doing it. He's going to continue to do it. I think on Sunday, he's probably going to do plenty, I'd say, against the Pirates, right? Well, got, don't don't the Pirates have a very good in-play runs record? I believe they're undefeated on in-play runs. So <laughs> Adam is, Wainwright's 39 years old. Yeah, wow. wow. Impressive. Yeah. Right, that is it. Until in-play runs, um, we'll see you on Sunday, but... So, listeners, thanks for tuning in. We're back next Thursday, all being well. Um, we'll uh, we'll keep the momentum going now. And uh, for anyone who wants any deep dives on any players, any situations, any trades, anything that you want us to cover, do reach out. You know where we're at. Um, hook into the Roto Brits Twitter account, drop anything in there, and we'll pick it up on the episode. Um, I do know that there was one request uh, that I've now realized I've forgotten. So we'll we'll cover it next time around. But it's Keston Hura. Um, Good news is he's a player you know a lot about. I've also had a full series to see him, so I've got my view on Kessin Hura, so we'll get into him next time around. Um, that's it for this one. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.